athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Man, this past year was a trip. Monique came out the gate, boycott Netflix, and Will joined IG and had it lit. You're tuned in to the Dopey Show on radio and the first of 2019. I'm Donald Ware. And you know how we get the new year started off each and every year. A little bit of Mad Skills 2018 wrap-up. He's been making these songs for, I don't know, maybe 10 years or so. We've been playing them for quite some time. Happy New Year to you and yours. Hope you had a wonderful New Year and hope you're having a great New Year so far. Only a couple of days in to 2019. And wouldn't you know it, we already got a bunch of drama as a matter of fact. I mean, when you look at, I mean, let's start with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Antonio Brown. I mean, just a lot of drama going on right there in Pittsburgh. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later on in the program. You know, the last couple of weeks, you guys have been listening to our year-end review show, and we sort of cut things off in the month of September. We sort of cut things off in the month of September, just sort of ran out of time, and that's what happens when you try to compress all of 2018 or all of one year into one show, and that's what happened to us. We ran out of Guess what? I got about three interviews that we must get to to round out 2018 have a chance to talk um, a lot about what happened with the young man in New Jersey if you hadn't heard about this there was a young man um, who had dreads a high school uh, wrestler as a matter of fact he was wrestling for the state championship and the referee who had been known to be racist made him cut his dreads before the match said the dreads were too long per some kind of rule and made him cut the dreads it was a big deal a national thing i have some thoughts i have a lot of thoughts on that particular situation but i'm going to tie it in to one of the interviews that we had back in december here on from the press box to press row as we wrap up our 2018 year end review show just going to do that in first segment, as a matter of fact. So as a matter of fact, you're going to hear from Pretty Little Liars actress Janelle Parrish, who played in a wonderful film, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that, and you're going to hear from her. Also, you're going to hear from actor, director, producer, legend, really, Bill Duke, Bill Duke joined us back in November here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Got to replay part of the interview that we had with him. Then also back in November, joining us on From the Press Box to Press Row, Texas Southern Headman's basketball coach Johnny Johnson joined us on the program. And what a big month. November was a big month. 
for Texas Southern. We'll talk a little bit more about that as well. Plus, got a lot to get to on the program. Going to talk a lot of National Football League. The playoffs begin this weekend. We gotta talk. We gotta really dive into this thing. I mean, it's just so much that's going on. We're gonna put a a bow on some of the other, like the Redskins, for instance, like the Minnesota Vikings, for instance. I hate to tell you guys and and say this, but it, particularly those that are Redskins fans. I mean, Kirk Cousins just was not the answer in Washington. He got eighty, what eighty four million dollars guaranteed. And I mean, I'm not going to put it all on Kirk Cousins in terms of why Minnesota didn't have a lot of success this year and why Minnesota didn't make the playoffs. But at the end of the day, I mean, he I mean, they made it to the NFC championship game with Keenum last year. You replace him with Kirk Cousins. And while the defense wasn't as dominant, I mean, Kirk Cousins just wasn't. Good. I'm not saying he was the whole problem, but he definitely was part of the problem. And so we can talk a little bit more about that also today here on the program. Also, if you hadn't heard, Mean Gene Okerlund of WWF fame, of course, is now called WWE, passed away on Wednesday at the age of 76. Mean Gene Okerlund. I mean, when I think about Mean Gene Okerlund and I think about WWF and kind of coming up in the 80s and really what I mean, I was a huge wrestling fan, more so from the mid to late 80s. I remember when wrestling used to come on NBC on Saturday Night Live. Jesse the Body Ventura would be inter, uh, would be interviewing uh, a lot of the wrestlers. You would also have I mean, Jim McMahon was like doing play by play, you know, at, at, at that time. And then you had the one and only. I mean, some of the. You know, I, I I really had to I really went back and, and and looked on YouTube at some of the interviews that he had. And, you know, he had some really, really good interviews, most notably with Randy Macho Man Savage, who, of course, rest in peace to Randy Macho Man Savage, who may be the greatest to ever do it from a speaking perspective. I mean, this guy was absolutely phenomenal. All you young people that are still watching WWE Google, if you don't know who Randy Macho Man Savage is, Google Randy Macho Man Savage. But definitely when I heard about Mean Gene Oakland and him passing, boy, it just took me back to a great time uh, in the WWF, of course, now known as the WWE. Got a lot to to get to on the program. As I mentioned, your participation here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We always want you to participate. Hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X. T-O-R-O-W, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W, also on Instagram, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Thank all of you that listen on all of our great affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row, those listening to us on Sirius XM channels 141 and 142 and those listening to us around the world at box to again in this segment, going to wrap up our year in review show. Also joining us a little bit later on in the program. As a matter of fact, Cy Alexander, former head men's basketball coach, more recently at North Carolina A&T, formerly of Tennessee State, formerly of South Carolina State. He's got a new book out and we're going to talk with Coach Alexander here on the program. Let me take you back to the month of November and what a month it was for the Texas Southern Tigers, the men's basketball program. They opened the season with a huge win on the road. 
72 to 69 at Baylor, 72 to 69 at Baylor, and what a huge victory for um, uh, for Texas Southern, and had a chance to catch up with Johnny Jones, the head men's basketball coach at Texas Southern, to talk with him about what that victory meant to the Tigers program. Well, we were down about uh, five or six points uh, in the first half, and unfortunately we uh, had a little foul trouble, so a little adversity set in. We had to go to the bench, uh, and they scored uh, and made a little run prior to going into halftime that uh, we at a deficit. But at halftime, just talking, we knew that we couldn't come back. Uh, it wasn't going to be a one-shot deal that was going to bring us back. We knew that we had to play throughout the next 20 minutes in the ball game, and our goal was to try to win the uh, timeout segments. Every time we had a media timeout, to be making progress and, and having positive four-minute segments. And we were able to do that throughout the game. And uh, around the last time out, we were in striking distance, and uh, the guys just did a tremendous job defending uh, extremely well. They played with a great deal of energy uh, and, and with urgency on the defensive end of the floor and executed uh, on the uh, offensive end of the floor as well against a very tough uh, team defense where they were switching from man to zone defense. Our guys did a great job of reading it, being patient, and um, getting good looks and knocking down shots. And when the shots didn't go, we found creases uh, in their defense to get to the offensive glass. So hustle plays uh, provided some spark for us, but to get the stops on defense I thought was uh, really important as well against a team that's very capable of scoring at a high level. I mentioned what a big month for Texas Southern in November. They went on on November 26th, again on the road at Oregon, who was ranked number 18 at the time, and defeated the Ducks 89-84. to So, of course, Johnny Jones joined us back in November. Also joining us in November here on From the Press Box to Press Row, the one and only, the legendary Bill Duke actor, producer, director, and had a chance to talk with him about one of the roles he's probably most noted for first time that i saw you and knew who you were was from menace to society and of course you had the very famous line we'll keep it clean you know you done messed up now yeah you know you done messed up now (laughs) you know what what about what about that in a i think a whole generation of us that were you know teenagers and so forth really got to know you from menace to society Yes, I know. It was it was a great experience. The Hughes brothers are great writers and directors and good, good people, man. And when they gave me that role and that line, I was really appreciative. And it's become something that's followed me my entire career. I mean, I was, when I got out of the country, kids come up to me and say that line today. <laughs> Actor, director Bill Duke joining us in November. We moved to the month of December and Janelle Parrish, of course, of Pretty Little Liar fame, joined us on the program. And she started a film called Tiger. And I'm going to relate the film Tiger to what we saw happen in New Jersey. That young man that was wrestling for the state championship who had to have his hair cut. But right now you'll hear from Janelle Parrish about her role in the film and about the film Tiger. Now, for you, did you know anything about this story prior to making the film? I did not. Once I read the script, I was so, I was so just 
moved by his story, um, Pardeep's story and his passion and his his um, fight for his rights and, you know, against all odds that I, I looked it up and, you know, Prim had obviously done a lot of um, research on Pardeep before he played him and actually got together with him and spoken to him. So we chatted a lot about, about his story. I mean, he's just such an impressive man. And from what I hear, is still doing a lot of, um, you know, a lot of uh, <clears throat> things, you know, he's still fighting for his community and stuff like that. He's still doing a lot of really great things. Actress Janelle Paris joining us back in December, talking about her role in the film Tiger. And if you had a chance to see the film Tiger, if you're unfamiliar with it, it's about an amateur boxer who was doing really well. He started out as a soccer player. He was such a hothead. It didn't work out. He started boxing. He was an amateur boxer, became pretty good at it. But in essence, they were trying to ban him from the sport in essence, because of his religious belief, he wore a turban, he wore a beard, and they and it was uh, I can't remember if it was they, he couldn't have his beard or his turban. I don't remember which one, but they were trying to force him out because of that. And you know, I, it it just made me really think. It's interesting that that movie or Tiger came out in December, and this, of course, this incident with this young man um, happened, um, of course. In the month of December as well. The one thing I would ask is where were the adults in this situation? Why did this young man have this young man, 16 years old, forced to cut his hair? Where were the parents in this situation? Um, And, you know, if it had been my kid, that would have never happened. We would have walked out of there. Uh, number one, and would it, they would have had a serious problem. But where were the adults in this situation to stand up for this young 16 years old, making a 16 year old make a decision like that is unacceptable. Where were the parents and where were the adults in this situation? Going to talk more about that and other things as from the press box to press row rolls on. Mommy, where are we going to the grocery store, honey? Oh, goody, Mommy. Can we buy an original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky? Of what? An original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky. It's really good, Mommy. Dad let me try some, and I couldn't help myself, and I ate it all, and I was hoping that you could, like, help me replace it before he comes home from work. Why would you eat all of Dad's beef jerky? Mommy, I couldn't help myself. Marjorie's beef jerky is so good, and Daddy says it's good for you. Well, it sounds like we had better buy two bags to avoid this from happening again. Thanks, Mom. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. You can also purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online at Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. That's Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com or call them toll free 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. They're going to come here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Cy Alexander, former college basketball coach, most recently coached at North Carolina A&T also coached at Tennessee State and South Carolina State was head coach at all three of those places had a lot of success at South Carolina State most notably in the 90s got a new book out he's going to join us a little bit later on in the program 
Just some final thoughts. Again, I was outraged like a lot of people were outraged with respect to the young man, Andrew Johnson, the wrestler in New Jersey, the high school wrestler in New Jersey, just 16 years old, forced to make a decision to have to cut his dreadlocks because a the official or the referee said that he had to do so. And again, I mean, I'm just asking, you know, I, I know the parents have made a uh, have made a statement via a lawyer, but where were the parents in this situation? Why? And then where were the other adults? Where were the people to stand up for this young man? This is not a decision that a 16 year old should have had to make. And especially in light of how emotional he was during and after the match It's just, it, it, it just, it's mind blowing. I'm, I'm very disappointed in the so-called adults that were in the room that did not challenge this and did not stop this. It is very disappointing, and um, I think not enough of the blame. Certainly the blame is to be aimed at this official. No doubt about it, he's definitely been reprimanded. Um, He may never officiate again, but where were the adults in the room in this situation? That's the question that I'm asking where the I don't even know where the parents I, I've I've read up on it, but maybe not enough where the parents even there at this uh, at the event. And if not, where were the other adults? They didn't. That's the thing. Like all of the people, the adults, so-called that you see in some of the, um, you know, they didn't care. I mean, they didn't. They didn't understand. I'm not going to say they didn't care. They didn't understand. They didn't understand the magnitude of what was going on in this situation. And when you're, you know, when you're in a situation where, I mean, again, as 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 a black person uh, myself and one that has definitely faced some discrimination, um, I would say, uh, you know, in in my years of upcoming, you know, of or, or being brought up, I mean, I definitely understand this young man's plight but then you have some people that don't understand that's the problem when you don't understand this young man's plight you had no idea of how to react and I think that uh, in of itself was unfortunate nobody intervened on this young man's behalf so I mean I you know I'm not going to belabor the point but again just uh, just my thoughts on that situation to kind of wrap it up from the last segment so let's talk some National Football League here on from the press box to press row. And one of the things, of course, Black Monday, it's the Monday after the last regular season of the National Football League. And that is when head coaches are typically fired. You'll have some head coaches that'll be fired immediately after football games, which that uh, or last football games of the season. And that, of course, did happen that all of the uh, coaches that were fired, five were Black, five black head coaches fired, really four, five if you count Hugh Jackson, who was fired during the course of the season. Marvin Lewis with the Bengals, Steve Wilkes with the Cardinals, Todd Bowles with the Jets, Vance Joseph with the Broncos, and then, of course, Hugh Jackson of the Browns. I don't know. Does this this speaks to because it's been an issue. Obviously, it's been an issue that 70 percent of your league is black. Yet the, you know, six, I guess, uh, well, really, uh, if you had five head coaches that were fired, too. So you had seven. One time you had seven head coaches of 32 teams, seven head coaches on the of the 32 National Football League teams this past season were black. And I mean, 
you know, that if I if I do my math, that's almost the league, meaning is almost 25 percent of the head coaches in the league were at least were black. And I, I don't know, is that I mean, we've talked about this a number of different times on this program. It definitely is an issue. Seventy percent of your league is black, yet less than 25 percent of your head coaches are black. That is definitely an issue. But I will say it's better than uh, when you look at the NCAA level, not to compare the two. Um, but again, we, we, we've talked about a number of these things because, I mean, there's so, they sort of correlate with respect to the fact that um, a lot of your coaches or a lot of your head coaches, once not all of them, but quite a few, once upon a time were head coaches in college as well. National Football League wants to know, can you run a program? It's sort of like the difference between um, being the president of the United States or being a governor of the state. Uh, the difference between being a head coach at a of a National Football League team and being a, a college uh, football coach and most notably at the FBS level. But this definitely is an issue. You have four or five now of those coaches that have been canned. I guess, you know, when I really think about it, I mean, it's unacceptable. Not the fact that they these coaches were fired, because I think I mean, to be honest with you, and it's not just because, oh, you they're, they're fired because they're black. They shouldn't have been fired. I think the the one person that I'm, you know, would be concerned about that was fired, that did not get a fair shake would, in fact, be Steve Wilkes of the Cardinals one season. I get it. Yeah, they only won three. I think it was three football games, maybe four, but I think it was three football games that the Cardinals won. Um, to get rid of a, 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 a coach. And, and by the way, it wasn't like this was some kind of superstar roster. You had uh, basically a rookie quarterback uh, that you brought in that you were asking to kind of learn. You had, yeah, you had, you know, a couple of decent players, I guess, Dave Johnson. And then you had, of course, Larry Fitzgerald. The, I mean, the D, I mean, this was a Cardinals team that, it, you know, going back within the last 10 years or so, played in, and now, is an organization that's in disarray and it's not Steve Wilkes's fault to where the organization is. Yes. Maybe he knew that this wasn't a good roster. It wasn't a lot of talent on this football team taking, uh, taking over this organization and leading it as its head coach. The problem is you need more than one year to be able to show what you can do. Uh, look, Marvin Lewis, Listen, 16 years as the head coach of uh, of the Bengals, uh, quite frankly, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to say too long because the bottom line is, you know, he was successful in terms of wins and losses. He was successful in terms of leading the Bengals into postseason where he was unsuccessful was in winning uh, playoff games, didn't win a single postseason playoff game, I think over seven in the playoffs, 0 for 7 in the playoffs is definitely unacceptable. So, you you know, but again, you know, who are you going to get? You know, and they were ha- they were having su- some success, not from winning playoff games. But I know that's unacceptable. I mean, if I was a fan of the Bengals, I mean, I want to do more than just make it to the playoffs. So I can't really blame the Bengals there. Todd Bowles, boy, he had a really good first season. 10 and 6, they were uh, really maybe a game away they needed some help in terms of making the playoffs going back to the 2015 season um just couldn't uh, couldn't get it done 
And then it just went downhill from there. So it probably uh, was the right move. Yeah, I like Todd Bowles, but probably was the right move that he, in fact, was fired. Vance Joseph of the Broncos. I mean, two seasons. I mean, what can you do in two seasons? Although I will say, I mean, that was a Broncos team. Um, you know, but that is just to me, you know, and again, okay, so let me finish my thought. It was a, a Broncos team that had been that was talented from a defensive perspective but then it had been a Broncos team that had been talented from a defensive perspective I don't understand inverse situation quite frankly I mean they won the Super Bowl one year then the then they just totally fell off because the offense wasn't able to get things going I thought the defense was still at least at one time but two seasons eh, not enough I think Vance Joseph had some other things that were kind of hanging over his head and because of the lack of success it made it uh, easy for the Broncos to get rid of him. And then, of course, as I mentioned, Hugh Jackson, I mean, you know, just a disaster. But to me, I thought that the Broncos were, or, excuse me, the Browns, I thought the Browns, you know, I thought some of the offseason moves that the Browns made were going to make them better coming into this season. You know, I like the fact that they drafted Johnny Manziel. I like some of the pieces that they came they came with. And the Browns had a pretty good season, but of course, ultimately fired Hugh Jackson, and rightfully so when they fired him during the course of the season. So what's going to happen next? What happens to a guy like a Steve Wilkes who had this one opportunity? Will he in fact get another opportunity? Does he have to go back and be a coordinator or does he have to go coach college football and, and be a head coach to come back to be able to get his shot as a head football coach? I think that absolutely sucks for Steve Wilkes, a guy like a Todd Bowles, maybe he takes a step backwards. He goes on to be a defensive coordinator. He's a great defensive mind. Maybe he'll get another opportunity. I think the coach that gets the more immediate opportunity will be Marvin Lewis because of he had some success. You can say the 0-7 in the playoffs, and I get it, and you'd be right to say so. At the end of the day, Marvin Lewis is a veteran coach. He had some success with the Bengals. He was a he had even as a coordinator and more uh, and I should say a coordinator, a defensive coordinator in the National Football League. He was very very successful. So I think he may be the one to get a more immediate opportunity. Um, you know, I think when, when you look at this and look at it from a Rooney Rule perspective. You know, now, you, I mean, you have some ready-made coaches where you can satisfy the Rooney rule. Is Marvin Lewis a Rooney rule um, interview? You know, is Steve Wilkes a Rooney rule in, uh, 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 interview? I mean, I think the Rooney rule in the spirit of the rule is a good thing, but it's just not working right now in the National Football League. More National Football League talk after this small pause for the cause. This is from the press box to press row. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. And as promised, as a matter of fact, the book, the new book, Beyond the Backboard, My Unique HBCU Experience in the Shadows of Big Time College Basketball is by Cy Alexander, who had a lot of success uh, at the Division I level. As a matter of fact, uh, led South Carolina State to five MEAC Tournament Championship titles and A&T two a MEAC tournament championship title as well. Of course, it is uh, co-authored, if you will, by our friend, Lute Williams. But Cy Alexander joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Alexander, Happy New Year and welcome to the program. Happy New Year, Dan. I'm glad to be here. 
Glad to have you as as a matter of fact as our first guest uh, of the of the new year. So I want to start here. I'm sure you're asked this all the time, and I mean you have the credentials to in fact write a book. I mentioned some of those credentials, but of course you have a lot more. But w- why was this the right time to write this book? Let me tell you. Let me take you back, Donald, uh, briefly. A uh, quick synopsis: Carolina A and T State University. In 2012-13, the good Lord blessed us with an opportunity to win the MEAC tournament. We went on from there uh, and beat Liberty University in the first round of the NCAA tournament before succumbing to University of Louisville, who went on that year under Rick Pitino and won the national championship. This is the very next year, Donald, season 2013-14, in June of uh, 2014, my mom passed. She was 94 years old. And in September of 2014, I'm talking about two ladies, obviously, that have been in your life forever, uh, passing within three months. And I tried to come back and coach uh, another year and a half, but uh, just, you know, the focus, the energy, the mental uh, stability that you need to coach. I, I wasn't getting it done. So uh, the university, and I, I'm very grateful and thankful to Chancellor Harold Martin and Athletics Director Earl Hilton for giving me the opportunity to go from the court to the broadcast booth. And I've uh, been, been fortunate enough to do a game with you in the NCAA tournament a year ago. So uh, what I did was I decided and while I was doing the broadcasting piece, as therapy for my own personal well-being was to write a book about my coaching and dedicated to my mother and my wife and my father. And uh, it was great therapy because it got a, I got a chance, Donald, to relive a, a 40-year career from a, a, a young assistant at Howard University to uh, being the only coach in the history of the MEAC to have won MEAC tournaments at two different schools. So I covered everything in between the, the beginning to the end and, and talked about it's a kind of a David versus Goliath type story, Donald, in that, you know, you talk about uh, having coached at the Mideast and Athletic Conference level 95% of my career and some of the, some of the things that you have to go through through as an HBCU head coach where, you know, unfortunately the playing field is not always equal, but the, but the, the end result is still the same. You expected to win. And we figured out a way to be very successful and do that. And I talk about when I say my unique HBCU uh, career was because I think I was very unique in the fact that I did a lot of things that historically black colleges and university coaches don't get that opportunity. I had a 20, uh, six-year uh, Nike shoe contract, an apparel contract. I, I was on the uh, NABC board for seven, eight years. I was on the highest-ranking NCAA academic enhancement uh, uh, committee. So, and out of the world uh, because of Nike and, and the people I've had the opportunity uh, in front of uh, con- a congressional panel about uh, uh, student-athletes. So all of that, and I think it's a good read for any young coach. It's a good read for any person aspiring to be a professional and understanding the do's and don'ts and how you have to navigate this 
unequal playing field, whether you're a basketball coach or whether you're a radio broadcaster. No, I think it's a great point because in the last segment, as a matter of fact, we were talking about the five black head coaches in the National Football League that had been fired. And I had even pointed to the fact that, you know, it's even more of a problem with the lack of black coaches on the FBS level. But you've had a in this book. And by the way, the book can be purchased online almost anywhere. But go to let's go to SyAlexander.com, SyAlexander.com to purchase uh, the book. But with respect to that, a lot of people spoke on your behalf, including Andy Katz of ESPN.com, who said Cy Alexander should be looked at as the next coach out of a lower major conference to make a jump, but someone needs to give him a shot. Why were you never given that shot? Well, and that's what we talk about, Donald, in the book. I was the bridesmaid uh, for jobs. Ohio State University, uh, Old Dominion University, uh, American University, Southern Illinois University, University of Miami. And, you know, I'm not saying for sure, but you've got to look at it as a potential factor that people sometimes just didn't want to take a chance on a, a coach who had been successful, very successful, coming from a historically black college and university. And I talk about that, and I'm not uh, – and, and we talk about it in the last uh, – in the epilogue of the book that we said, the, the elephant in the room that we – really didn't really hit on hard was uh, uh, racism. And, and you know, and we all know, that there is a systemic racism in this, in this country in almost any, anything that you do. And you've got to learn as a, as a professional how to navigate it. And, and what I did was every time I, was, I fell short in, 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 in what, I, what I always did, Donald, was over-prepared myself. And I left every interview knowing I had done my job, but, it, you know, if I can't make anybody hire me in this sort of thing. So, um, you know, I think there was some of it had to do with the fact that, you know, I was coming from an historically black college and university. So what I did was I tried to make my situation, and I learned this from Hubie Brown, who I've gotten to know really well, and he said, Coach, make your situation the best it can be. You work hard, and you, and, and we did that. And fortunately, if, if you look at it, uh, Don Corbett, former head coach and who's now deceased, uh, won seven MEAC tournaments. He won more. M he made more NCAA tournament appearances and never was given a ch chance to move from A&T. And I'm second with six. And and, and you, people don't understand. I was doing a podcast the other day uh, about how difficult it is when you're working in, in a conference where you, 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 it's, it's, the, it's the tournament, it's all or nothing. You, no matter what you did during the regular season, you can go, you know, 22-2. And, two, and, and, and if you don't win that tournament, you, you don't get a bid to the NCAA tournament. So the, the pressure – that you're under and the microscope that you're under to compete in that, that makes uh, a MEAC tournament or a Big South tournament or Southern tournament or SWAC, that makes that tournament just that more pressurized because there's only one person going out of that, out of that conference, whereas in the ACC you can lose in the first round. If you won 18, 19 games, you're still going to the big dance. So 
that that was kind of the the, the 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 world I lived in for you know 40 years. That the voice of Cy Alexander, the new book Beyond the Backboard: My Unique HBCU Experience in the Shadows of Basketball. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press for a course written uh, with our friend, the co-writer uh, Lute Williams, and you can purchase this book at CyAlexander.com. CyAlexander.com. It's a great read. It's interesting, Coach Alexander, because I mean, I've you know I had a chance to. Um, Going back to two, we had a, obviously had a chance to do the the, the women's game uh, last year at, down at South Carolina, um, but I remember you uh, you did a seminar and I was at the seminar. I think I may have uh, may have been the MC Ford man. And your X's and O's in terms of teaching are spot on. The thing about HBCUs, if you look at it, let's just say in any let's just take it out of the coaching element and you look at it from, let's say, a PR, an SID at an, at an HBCU. SIDs have to do everything which makes them more prepared for other jobs, whether it's in professional sports, uh, whether it's in so-called big-time sports as well. Why doesn't that same uh, deal apply to coaching at the HBCU level? In other words, you got to do so much, you'll be prepared by the time it's time to coach at a big-time program. I tell you what, Donald, you're spot on in in that comment right there. If if you can coach at a historically black college and university, you, you you can coach anywhere in the country because you have to be creative in a lot of things that you do. I'll give you an example. Uh, our entire athletic budget at North Carolina A and T is somewhere in the range of a little a little over twelve million dollars, which is for most mid-level to low-major Division One programs, it, it's decent. It, it, it could be a little better, but we're working very hard at A&T to, to improve it and give a lot of credit to the Aggie Athletic Foundation uh, for raising a lot of funds to, to help the athletic scholarships. But back to, the, to what I just said, $12.5 million. Well, the basketball budget, just the basketball budget alone at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill is $18 million. So you see what we're talking about here. Yeah. And then if you talk about the athletics budget at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, two years ago when I started doing the research on my book, it was $81 million. So the point is you have to be very creative in, in understanding how to handle budgets, understanding how to do more with less. Is, is what I like to say. You have to be able to do more with less. I'll give you an example, Donald. You know, now coaching staff have four or five assistants, so three full-time assistants, and you may have a director of basketball operations. You may have a player development assistant. When I was an assistant for 11 years, and there was a two-man staff, the head coach and side, and I grew up learning every aspect of what it takes to be a college coach, from recruiting, from academic enhancement, from X and O's, practice preparation, from building a budget, from team travel. I learned all the, 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 the nuts and bolts of what it took to be a Division One head coach. And, and I, was at, I was ready at 33 years old because I had two job offers at, thir- at, at that time. I had an opportunity to go with – Leonard Hamilton, who is, in my opinion, one of the best college recruiters and best coaches in the country, he's now at Florida State. But at the time, he was leaving Kentucky to go to Oklahoma State University. And he offered me an opportunity to come with him. 
And at the same that same year, we I got the opportunity to be the head coach at South Carolina State University. Obviously, I took that. But just a two-man staff at Howard University, we went to nine straight MEAC tournament championships. And unfortunately, we only unfortunately we only won two. And A and T, who we coached against every year for for about seven years, won seven in a row. And that's I I I, I kiddingly say we we made uh, the late Don Corbett a legend at North Carolina A and T because it was always Howard and A and T in the championship game. We're talking with Cy Alexander, his new book Beyond the Backboard: My Unique HBCU Experience in the Shadows of Big Time College. Basketball as Coach Alexander joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We're talking a little bit, booking some of his experiences. We're going to step aside, take a break, come back with more of Cy Alexander as From the Press Box to Press Row rolls on. The radio program that's talking sports from New York City to Cali and globally on the World Wide Web. From the Press Box to Press Row continues after this. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. Welcome back to From the Press Box to Press Row. Talking with former coach Cy Alexander, most recently coached North Carolina A&T. We're talking about, of course, his new book, Beyond the Backboard, My Unique HBCU Experience in the Shadows of Big Time College Basketball with Luke Williams, also as a co-writer on this book. And um, if you want to join us on the conversation, feel free to do so. Hit us up via Twitter at box to row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-2-R-O-W. And Coach Alexander, I mean, you had some great success at South Carolina State. And I can remember when I was a student, you know, at Morgan State, I remember, you know, Mo, uh, Roderick Blakely, Moo Blakeney, yeah. and all those guys. Man, you had some some really good teams. Let me ask you this, Coach Alexander. Does it bother you? that you didn't get that shot at that so-called big-time college. Even though you had a lot of success at South Carolina State and then, and then some at Tennessee State, ultimately again at A&T, does, it, does that bother you didn't get that, that shot at big-time college basketball? It, it, it does uh, to a degree, Donald, but I don't live my, my life in what is because uh, it didn't happen. What if, you know, I watched Ohio State play the other night. On, on television. I pulled for Ohio State because, you know, I was a finalist. It came down to me and Randy Ayers for the job when Randy got the job. And, uh, you know, sometimes you say, what if, but you be, and then you make the best of whatever your situation is. And I, I talk about it in the book. You look back and you say, what if I had gone with Dylan Hamilton? Uh, what if I had gotten the Ohio State job? What if I had gotten the University of Maryland job? And I think about that, Donald, five, one minute to five minutes, and then I have to move on because you can't, you can't, you can't change what, what, what has been done. You know, you wish that someone, and that's one of the reasons I wrote the book, so that young coaches can learn from the book. And I, one of the things I have in the book and I, is after every chapter, I have a section called What I Learned. And I got that. I got honestly got that from Dean Smith. I read one of his books early on in my coaching career, and at the end of each chapter, Coach Smith had what I learned. 
And I, I copied that from him. What I learned at Howard University for 11 years, what I learned at South Carolina State, what I learned at Tennessee State, what I learned. And so hopefully a young person who is aspiring to be a professional, whether it be in the athletic world or the education world or corporate world, can take some little nugget, a piece, a bullet point of what I'm talking about uh, and, and maybe help them in, in their career. But uh, again, Donald, yes, it, it bothers you, but you can't let it consume you because it, you know, if you allow it to consume you, then you can't be the best that you're capable of being at whatever point and stage in life that you are. And where I am now in, in my in my life is is trying to help promote the the, the MEAC, help promote the game help young people and young coaches understand, you know, what it takes to be a professional. Like I said, I was blessed, man. I, I have, you know, from uh, hanging out with Michael Jordan to Phil Knight to, you know, Nikki Haley, the ambassador to the UN, she used to make my clothes for me. And, and uh, so I've been blessed to be around some of the uh, uh, movers and shakers, both uh, politically and, uh, and, and athletically. And I learned a lot. Big John Thompson was one of my mentors at Georgetown. And, and I always, you know, leaned on Coach Thompson to help and advise me throughout my uh, been been very blessed to have people like Coach K, uh, uh, Leonard Hamilton, uh, uh, Terry Holland was a big, big Terry Holland. And I, we, we almost worked together. Had he gotten a Clemson job after he got out of coaching, this is a story most people don't know, he, he, we, we were going to go to Clemson together. And because uh, he, had, he had gotten out of coaching, he was actually the AD at the University of Virginia. So, you know, I've been blessed to, you know, walk on the shoulders of, and learn from Big House Games and Cal Irv and people like that that I grew up watching and emulating. So, you know, Donald, you, 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 can't, you can't control what you can't control. And you can't make anyone hire you, but all you can do is be the best that you can be at whatever it is, and that's what I tried to do. I've tried to be the best person, be the best coach uh, uh, and representative and represent myself and my family and, and my program with high integrity and, 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 and character at all times. Beyond the Backboard is the book. It's actually Beyond the Backboard, my unique HBCU experience in the shadows of big-time college basketball, and it is by Cy Alexander, who joins us on the program. Last thought, Coach Alexander, we appreciate the time. Six years ago, you did something that a lot of people didn't think that you'd be able to do, and that is duplicate some of at least the success that you had at South Carolina State, your first season at A&T winning the MEAC Tournament Championship, and as you mentioned, also a first-round NCAA Tournament game. Do you think that getting back into coaching is in your future? That's a great question. I get down like that every day. And, 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 and see what I talk about, people didn't know. See, people knew my wife had cancer. But during the 2012-13 season, I had cancer. Wow. Okay? And, and that's it. We, we got a chapter in the book called The Big C. And I guess you know what the big C stands <laughs> yeah. for. And, 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 and so I am blessed now to be fully recovered from cancer. I have no sign of cancer in my body. Uh, and, and, and so to, to, I love what I'm doing right now in the broadcasting world, in the podcast world, in the public speaking world. Uh, but I, I would never say 
never as it relates to if the right offer came here. It's almost like Matt Brown. And I was, uh, Matt Brown was on one of our boards. We started for coaching excellence. And, and Matt Brown was, uh, was on our board. And, uh, you know, he got back in it uh, about two months ago at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. So, uh, again, Donald, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy doing what I'm doing right now. I'm, right now I'm pushing and promoting and going around. We got a chance to go to, to back to South Carolina State. We got a chance to go to Tennessee State. Uh, we were in Winston-Salem. We'll be down in your neck of the woods, the Raleigh-Durham area in January. We'll be at A&T and in Washington and Atlanta and Charlotte. So we've got a, a, a full travel uh, list of where places we're trying to promote and push to book the MEAC tournament, the Final Four. But on the flip side of that, if the you know I would never say never to 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 if someone came a calling and said, Coach, we'd like you to. As a matter of fact, I was I won't I won't say who the school was, but I was offered a job as an assistant coach. Uh, this early this season, and, and uh, it was, uh, you know, it was a good good situation. But I, I chose not to do it. Uh, it was a high level coach who who, who wanted me to come, and and uh, so you know, uh, the, the good thing right now for me, Donald, is I'm healthy, I'm healthy physically, and I'm healthy mentally. And I wasn't, you know, two 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 years ago, three years ago. And the good Lord has blessed me, and I, 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 I thank the good Lord every day for putting me in position to to have accomplished that goal of getting this book published. Because writing the book was the easy part; getting it published was a whole other world, <laughs> man. <laughs> you know. So, but uh, you know, we'll we'll see what the future brings. And and right now, I just want to thank you and for supporting me and, and pushing this book. And and a person can also go to Amazon.com or Barnes and Nobles or or, or, or Google, iTunes, but they also can go uh, to stylealexander.com and, and purchase the book. And we'll be, uh, you'll be hearing about us being in, down in the Raleigh-Durham area coming up uh, the latter part of January. Again, we'll be up in Washington, D.C. and, and Atlanta and Charlotte, you know, uh, the, the MEAC tournament and uh, hopefully the Final Four or what have you. Definitely looking forward to that. It's a great read beyond the backboard. My unique HBCU experience in the shadows of big time college basketball. It's by Cy Alexander with our friend Luke Williams. As Cy Alexander joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row, as Coach Alexander mentioned, you can buy it, uh, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, etc. cetera. Uh, also, CyAlexander.com, CyAlexander.com, where there's some other great information on the coach. Cy Alexander, Coach Alexander, we appreciate the time. Continued success with the promotion of the book. Thank you very much, Donald, for your support and continued success in every all your uh, radio endeavors, man. You do a great job. I loved working with you in the broadcast uh, last spring uh, for the A&T uh, University of South Carolina Gamecock NCAA Lady Aggies game. We had a great time, and you are a true professional, man. God bless and keep up the good work, brother. Appreciate it, Coach Alexander. Cy Alexander joining us here on From the Press Box to Press Row again. Don't forget the new book, Beyond the Backboard, My Unique HBCU Experience in the Shadows of Big Time College Basketball, available now. And listen, you know, it's interesting. I mean, he mentioned the fact that he was a finalist for the Ohio State job and has had some opportunities. Of course, he at Catawba, which is in Salisbury, North Carolina, not very far 
uh, at all from where Livingstone is. And so, um, again, just some some, you know, he had a lot of success at South Carolina State, um, maybe not so much at Tennessee State for whatever reason. And then, of course, in his first season as the head men's basketball coach at North Carolina, A&T led the Aggies to a MEAC tournament championship and it had been what since mid 90s the last time that A&T had won a MEAC tournament championship and that was a an A&T program for so many years in the MEAC and was able to lead that program um, at a at at an age when a lot of people thought okay well you know he's he's in an uh and more of an advanced age and so forth but I mean I've had a chance to sit and watch, and we, as he mentioned, we did that game together when the Lady Aggies faced off against South Carolina. That game uh, was back in uh, it was in March. Um, it was the the uh, first round of the NCAA Women's Tournament. And by the way, A and T played really well in that basketball game. But I mean, I've had a chance to sit and watch him uh, uh, do X's and O's and explain the game of basketball and some of his philosophies. And an outstanding coach and. Like he said, he will always listen to offers for coaching opportunities. So, again, Cy Alexander, the book Beyond the Backboard, My Unique HBCU Experience in the Shadows of Big Time College Basketball is available now. Got to get ready to run here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We'll have some national football talk, uh, league talk on next week. But what you can do, have a podcast on our website right now with Indianapolis Colts rookie linebacker Darius Leonard. Log on to our website at BoxToRow.com. You can listen to the podcast or download the podcast as well. Also, we did a nice piece on Bruce Spate, former vice president of, of public relations for the New York Jets, now back with the Carolina Panthers. Check that out. He's a Howard grad on our website at BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. From the press box to press row is presented by DW Communications.